This is the Block Hash Podcast. Well, all right. Andrew Weiss, how's it going? Oh, doing pretty fine, Brandon. How about yourself? Uh, great, great. Just went skiing today uh, on Bachelor. Uh, got some good spring skiing in. Summit was open. Uh, probably got like 10 runs in. It was actually not too bad. Um, the snow was packed quite a bit, but I mean, it was still really nice out. Uh, it was pretty warm. Got a new hot wax on the skis. <laughs> so they were carving really nice. Hey, um, now we're talking. Your signature backflips? Oh, signature backflips. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brandon. That's Actually, <laughs> on, on Thursday, I'm going to try snowboarding. I'm going to take my brother's snowboard, and I'm going to – and my skis, just in case I don't like it. We're going to see what happens. Ooh, look at you balling out. Okay, okay, not bad. I know. I'll be I'll be sure to send you a video to see if it actually goes well. <laughs> I don't know if I have high expectations for snowboarding yet. As long as you have a 50% rate for crashing versus non-crashing, you should be fine. <laughs> well, all right. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Weiss Wisdom. Or actually, before you do that, uh, why don't you, for the people that will eventually be listening, um, Give like a little bit, a short bio, a little bit about who you are. Um, what does Andrew Weiss do? Um, yeah. It's like so a short bio. For the audience members who don't know me and are out here listening, I want to say howdy. My name is Andrew Weiss, and I'm currently a student director for the Young Entrepreneurs Business Week. We're a nonprofit program that helps high school students create their dream jobs and get into better colleges and have higher paying careers. And it is my job with them to travel around Oregon, giving presentations into high school classrooms, inspiring youth and helping influence them and telling them why professional skills are important to learn for their future aspirations. And while I'm full-time traveling as a speaker around Oregon, I also run my own public speaking coaching practice where I help other people with their own public speaking skill sets and abilities. And then I also always looking to sell extra copies of my book I published and for all you pun lovers out there, you're welcome. I created a book called Two Can Play at This Game, and it's a book of 100 bird puns. I put it together over a few months and definitely proud of my work so far. And I'm on top of the public speaking coaching and selling book copies. I also own an ATM, so I get passive income. Whenever people take cash out of the machine, I get that $3 fee that banks charge. And always looking to... Uh, hustle and stay busy and get my entrepreneur lifestyle going nice and you're only a year older than me yeah well, barely yeah, 24 barely right now <laughs> i turned 25 on april 30th nice. representing all the tauruses Woo. Uh, where have you traveled in oregon so far for speaking oh boy i've traveled a lot i've been all the way to the east coast on the wallowas over not east coast east eastern oregon to the Wallowas, been to Pendleton, Hermiston, been to Southern Oregon, to Ashland, Medford, been to the coastal cities and Tillamook, Astoria. I've been to Southern Eastern Oregon over in Baker City as well. So, and also, of course, all around the Portland metro area, Salem, Eugene, Al Albany. I've been to a lot of counties, Brandon. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. Have you been out? You've been outside of Oregon. You said you went where outside of Oregon again? Oh, once in a while, I go visit some schools near Vancouver, but for the okay, most part, nice. my, our, we're, we're an Oregon-based program, 
But what is cool is that we do actually have students who fly in around the entire country to our program. Like each year we get students who fly in from Texas and New York and Florida. And actually a couple of weeks ago, we even had a student who signed up from Columbia and we also get international students to our program as well. And so it's good to know we're a very premier program that's needed for these high school students and I'm able to help be a catalyst for it. Gotta love those Colombians. Got a lot of friends down there. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You're a very well connected guy. That's for sure. <laughs> Working on it. Are you coming out to Central Oregon to do any speaking at any of the schools? I know you mentioned it uh, like sometime at the end of April, right? Yeah, I'll be there on April Fool's Day, actually. Are you, are you actually you are you actually going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's up to you whether you'll believe me or not. Sounds like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the week after spring break, so I'll be back in that area for that, and then possibly the week after that, and then possibly the week after that. So, got to love Central Oregon. Isn't Ben still one of the top cities to retire in the nation right now? Yeah, Ben's actually one of the fastest growing cities in the nation, um, mostly because of the influx of everybody moving from California up to Oregon. Um, Last time I checked, yeah, Ben's one of the fastest growing cities in central Oregon. And then that's spilling over into Redmond and uh, Madras and Prineville. So there's a lot of growth going on. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's definitely a gorgeous area to be in and... You get to experience all the seasons, so can't go wrong. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic right now. It finally picked up, and the snow's melting a little bit, and got like 50-degree weather, mountains nice. It's fantastic. One of the best times of the year is like mid to late spring. Oh, yeah. And then also, I like Central Oregon for the hot tub as well. They do have lots of those, too. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> so you have a podcast as well, right? No, 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 no podcast at the moment. Um, but I, yeah, one of my goals this year is definitely to start some kind of video series. And so that's in the making. I'm working on creating my promo reel for giving presentations and speeches to various companies and organizations and events. So I'm working with someone on that right now as well. Why did I think that but you had a podcast? Where, did you put something out or, or was it just me? Maybe I'm just thinking things. Oh. I, I've been featuring lots of podcasts. Oh, maybe so that's maybe it. Okay. I created it. But yeah, and I've been I've been featuring a few podcasts to help spread more public speaking advice and let people know that yeah, they can follow their passions if they put enough skills and work into okay, it. Okay, I wasn't sure if you if Weiss Wisdom had a podcast. And I was like, gosh dang it, I have competition now. Like <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, Zentbrand's at the top of the ladder for now. Don't you worry. <laughs> Wonderful. I've also done your monthly programs in the past and have definitely seen a lot of results with those. Why don't you talk about what you got coming up with that and what, what that entails a little bit? Yeah. So this is actually a, a big revelation I had last year. I, you know, on December 2017, I was going, gosh, I really need to make sure I make 2018 a great year and do what I can. And so I admittedly did the whole end of the year, buy a bunch of self-development programs and systems and courses and things like that. And I bought like three or four. And out of three or four, I only really kept up with one of them. And the reason for that is because the program said, hey, um, if you actually follow along with our program, um, we will give you your deposit back. And granted, the program was a called is a program called Accelerated Accelerated Momentum Program by Benjamin Hardy. He's the top writer on Medium.com, 
And it really incentivized me going, yeah, I could totally stay on track. I can totally follow the content because, of course, that'd be awesome to put $1,000 down and get $1,000 back. And sure enough, that actually out of all the four courses I bought, I stayed with his program the most because I was so excited by that motivation that, oh, I can get this money back. I can get this money back and I can improve my own life as well. And there's also a lot of psychology that goes into that, that people would rather not lose something than gain something. And so when you put something down and you think you have an opportunity to get it back, then you want to work really hard to get that back. And you have to wake up each day going, shoot, how can I get this back? Or how can I make sure I don't lose this? And so I thought, why not apply this to more goal setting? Because there's also a multi-million dollar organization called Healthy Wages that does this with health related goal setting where people put in money in the pot and then uh, essentially, yes, essentially how the system works is that everyone who's a part of the system, part of the program, they put money into a pot and you have to show consistent progress on your goals each day by entering your goal progress into an app. And you can have a health goal, a wealth goal, or a happiness goal. Those are the three categories I chose that people can improve their lives in. And once everyone puts their money into a pot, uh, you don't get your money back until the end of the week until you've proven that you haven't missed a day of progress or, you ha or you've proven that you've been thinking about your goal every day and done at least some kind of action whatsoever to make progress towards it because that's a large part of life is actually not necessarily pursuing goals but getting the persistent habits and routines and enough external influence behind it to make sure you're reaching it at all costs. And so when I created my system, I'm like, okay, it uh, looks like $1,000 is the point of no return because I don't know about you, but... I wake up each morning going, shoot, I did not want to lose $1,000, and it helped motivate me to reach my goals. And I did it with uh, three other people, including yourself and my dad and also another friend of mine. And it, I just really shocked myself on how quickly I was able to progress through my goals. Because another interesting thing that the program taught me is that time is an interesting thing in the sense that when people say they want to do something, time will move faster in order to get to that thing. So, for example... If you say you, you bought a ticket to Disneyland next month, all you'd be thinking about for that next month is Disneyland, Disneyland, Disneyland. And sure enough, sure enough, by the time the month has passed, Disneyland will be arrived. You're like, oh, wow, that month went fast. And so that's a mistake a lot of people make is that they actually prolong their goals and they put it too far into the future and it makes time go faster. And so when you set a goal for yourself, you actually – and the faster you accomplish it, the slower you're, you're, you're quote-unquote traveling through time. And – that's why when I did the system myself, I was able to break a world record. <clears throat> I was able to learn a song with the guitar. I was able to do my consistent workouts. I was able to do some sunrise hikes. And I just got all these things done that I thought would take several months, if not a year to do. I ended up doing it in a month because I put the time frame on myself. And essentially, yeah, the system has 100% success rate so far. And I've seen a lot of great progress with people who have been a part of it. And I'm excited to keep implementing this throughout my life just because it works so well and helps keep me motivated and also great to have that community of people that, you know, when you were having your workout goals, it motivated me to look on the app and see that you were posting pictures of you at the gym saying, and I was thinking to myself, oh, if Brandon's at the gym working out, then I can go to the gym today myself as well. And it really is a great community of people supporting each other, wanting to help you out, wanting to make sure you have consistent habits and routines to work towards your goals. And it's something, a system I'm working on to continue to develop from here on out. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the program. It's definitely in the past helped me stay on track with goals that, um, you know, on a daily basis are very hard to stick to. Like for me, it was trying to drink a gallon of water every day, trying to get in the gym five days a week. And for the most part, I'm pretty motivated. But I mean, when you try and do something like that every day, and I don't care who you are, it is very tough to try and stick to that regimen but 
it's de- doing that for a month definitely helped me kind of hone in on what it is I wanted to change um, regarding my health, um, at least for the month that we did that one. Um, and it really improved um, my water intake and the um, amount of time that I actually go to the gym. And it, I think having the incentive of that hundred thousand, sorry, the hundred dollars to that thousand dollars and potentially losing that definitely is a big motivator. I mean, I remember learning about that kind of stuff a lot in psych, the whole positive, negative reinforcement, positive, negative punishment. Um, do you, would you consider it a negative reinforcement or a positive punishment? Are you taking away the good thing, the money, if they lose to teach them that? Or is it like positive? Okay, so there's negative reinforcement, positive punishment, or are you giving them a punishment by taking away the money? Yeah, I think that's what's great about the system is that it's honestly both. It's the fear of losing and also the the excitement for gaining. Because after you reach all your goals and build those habits, you feel like you've got you you you've won your hundred dollars back. And you're like, oh, I got my hundred dollars extra to spend at the end of the month now after completing all my goals. And you know you're you're a different place than where you started at the beginning of the month. And yeah, going back to your point of yeah, it's very difficult to you know want to stay consistent and on on track with your health goals each month, each week, each day. And another reason why people don't reach those health goals is because they don't have enough accountability put into place. I mean, who's gonna stop you and shame you and get mad at you if you miss a day of working out? Whereas <clears throat> if you have a system in place that says if you don't if you miss a workout, you have to pay a hundred dollars. You're going, okay, fine. I'll go to that workout then, I suppose. <laughs> um, and so that, that's another thing that system creates is accountability and making sure that you can't back down anymore and you can't have any more excuses. You have to go do it no matter what. Otherwise, it wasn't worth right. it to do that much right. in the first place. Well, so what has worked better, the $1,000 or the $100? Or have you done one in between? Like, What is motivating people um, yet also attracting people as customers for this um, for this system? From your perspective, what have you noticed? It is still a new system, and I'm still tweaking it around. And yeah, originally I did a thousand dollars, and the reason why I had I did a thousand dollars is because another thing that Ben Hardy teaches us is the concept of the point of no return, where you know Tony Robbins kind of talks about it too. Is that some people you know they choose to oh maybe I'll uh, I'll cut out sugar for this week. Oh maybe I'll go to the gym for this week. But there are certain types of people who make the decision saying, you know what, at all costs, I'm going to cut out sugar. At all costs, I'm going to go to the gym. Nothing's going to hold me back. I'm going to overcome every obstacle. And when you create a decision or a, a, a scenario for yourself where you can't go back on your word, you can't go back in your actions, and you're only forced to move forward after that, that's what this program helps provide for people. And so that's why I started with $1,000 saying, hey, I'm willing to bet that people are not willing to give up $1,000. And then I then I wanted to be it more inclusive for people, so then I moved it to $100, and so far the $100 is working. And so my hypothesis originally was like, oh, I had to do $1,000 because otherwise people will back out since they only lose $100 that they lose. But because this $100 thing is working, uh, I think I'm going to keep it at this price until I do have someone who um, will back out, but hopefully that won't happen either because they'll once again, my system has 100% success rate so far, and I want to have people keep succeeding with it and Hopefully the hundred dollars is enough incentive, um, but yeah, so far I mean hundred dollars, thousand dollars, it's all been working so far. I mean I'm sure 
if I were to work with uh, five figure, six figure, well, five figure per month earners or six figure per year earners, a hundred dollars might not may not be the, that much to them. So maybe they would not be the proper audience to join this kind of system. But for the most part, um, yeah, it's just right now, any any looks like at this point, any any amount of money is is working well, and it's just a matter of people who are willing to take the investment, the commitment to be serious about their goal setting. Right, and I remember we at some point were talking about how you can start at a lower amount, like a hundred dollars, and and whatever ends up working best. Because I must obviously don't want people to get halfway through the program and then be like, oh, it's just a hundred dollars, whatever, and then not complete the program either. So there, there's that fine line there between how high and how low you can go. But I remember at one point we were talking about making the system tiered. Um, in a way where people complete the program at a lower level and then they step it up and they put more money down. They challenge themselves even more from there on because they gain more um, confidence in their ability to accomplish their goals. And then the next month they'll think about the fact that, oh, well, I did one month. I can definitely do two months. So yeah, I'll put down $200. What difference does that make? And then you, you scale that up to the point where they get to higher amounts and they keep themselves focused and motivated. And I don't know, maybe it could be interesting long-term. Is that something you've explored a bit more or is that something that kind of doesn't fit into the program today? Where are you at with it? Or how's the program evolving? Yeah, so the, the program is evolving as I'm working on making it more available to the masses, having more and more people join it and be a part of it and experience that success, success within their lives. And as far as the tiered system program, I think it does make sense that, you know, depending on your income, it should be a certain amount of money that you'd be okay putting down that should that would scare you to put down and not want to lose. Um, and so, yeah, if you're a five-figure per month earner, then, yeah, maybe you should put down 10 grand um, to get into the system, and then you'll be in a bracket with everyone else who puts in 10 grand so you have a higher incentive to win. Because I think the other thing I don't think I mentioned about the program earlier is that if you win the program and someone else loses, you get their winnings as well. And so if you're putting down 10 grand, another person puts down 10 grand, the other person loses, then you get their 10 grand plus your 10 grand back. And so that's definitely something I'd love to explore in future opportunities is having a tiered system where just like when you go to the gambling at in Vegas, you know, there's tables that start at $100, tables that start at $1,000. And just depending on how high of better you are, that's the opportunities for your risk or opportunities to gain more money because of it. Yeah, and I I really like the idea personally of people losing and then you potentially earning their winnings. It's just such a great motivator, and for people that are really um, competitive like I am, that really like gets you into the program. Like you can win someone else's money if they lose, so all I got to do is outcompete this person. <laughs> I in in a way, it's kind of a good thing because <laughs> it gets people addicted to the program and it makes it kind of fun and competitive and. Once things get competitive, good things usually happen. Um, so, and and it's also motivating to make sure you don't lose, so you don't lose your money. Um, that that part I've always liked about the program, this the competitive yeah. nature part of it. That's kind of like intertwined. So, when's the the next one happening, and what's the next one focused on? Yeah. So right now, now that I know that this program is basically. A guaranteed result. I keep upping my own ante and, and increasing my own goals. So, for example, for this month, um, some of my goals include, let's see, only having dessert on Sunday, at least doing two dunking and basketball workouts per week, 
I want to be able to book a public speaking gig outside of my normal job. I want to close three clients to coach. I want to be able to set up a profitable business with a family or friend. Um, I also want to be able to do a hike or nature walk every weekend. I want to be able to break three more world records, um, do a couple of hikes I've been missing out on. And so, yeah, I just doing what I can to up the ante each time. And I'm going back to your competitive mark too. It actually reminds me of a good quote by Will Smith, actually, when he talked about, you know, what he attributes to his great success. And he says, you know, I'm one of those guys who will beat out the next person next to me at all costs. If we're running on a treadmill, I would rather die than get off that treadmill before the guy next to me. And so when you when you really have that competitive spirit within you, it does bring you out another side of you, another physical, mental, emotional um, side of you that you don't usually have access to. And that's why I'm such a, also a big believer in competitiveness and gaming and systems and things like that. And it really does push people along and force them to move forward and can have a lot of benefits. And yeah, that's why I love this system. Cause I just know these, whenever I set a goal now it's guaranteed, no matter what, I'm no longer worried about being able to accomplish or not because I have the right system in place to make sure it gets done. Yeah. I've always liked that quote by Will Smith. I've, I've heard it before a number of times, but it's just really true, especially in athletics where you have, there are a lot of guys with a lot of talent that are out there but some of them just don't have the work ethic. And then you have guys that are grossly less talented uh, going up against guys like that, but they are willing to uh, go to their grave to beat them in a drill or to beat them on a play um, or on a shot or to the end zone. And then you end up seeing those guys succeed. And I, I just think it's a really interesting facet of life Um where you, where you have competition at a level where skill almost kind of doesn't really play a factor in some situations. And I mean, there's plenty of people that are skilled that are very competitive and people that aren't skilled and uncompetitive. But I mean, in sports, it's really cool to see that. And th that mindset is definitely very important. So that playing into your program is definitely important as well. But yeah, I'm glad you know yeah. that quote. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm definitely Mr. Quotes guy. I'm all I'm all about those quotes. Quotes and puns, especially when. Uh, <laughs> yep, quotes and puns. All right, let's do a hard pivot from wife's wisdom to a little bit of crypto, since the podcast is about crypto. Yet I can I'll do whatever the hell I want, so I don't mind talking about wife's wisdom. But still, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about crypto. Give the people what they want, right? Get the people going. Um. I want. I just want to ask you a couple yes, questions. Keep the people going. Yeah, keep the people going. Um, I want to get your perspective um, on some things in the crypto industry because I know you've invested a little bit and you kind of understand it a little bit, um, which makes you the perfect person to ask um, these questions, especially from an educational perspective, which is based around what uh, Blockhash does, what my business does. Um, and how I'm trying to help people, individuals, students, businesses get into blockchain. Um, so your opinion is definitely very valuable. So in your experience, what have you invested in in terms of crypto? Did you What did you buy? Well, I must admit that a lot of my investment sources of knowledge came from you, the uh, Resent Brand Satoshi Sequence author. And when I read the book, actually, one of the things that I mentioned to invest in was SIA shares. So I have some investments in that. I've also invested in Ethereum and also, oh, what's the, uh, oh, what's the, is it, uh, what's, the, what's the Chinese Ethereum called again? 
Uh, Neo. Neo, yeah, invested in Neo, Neo. as well. Um, also a little bit of Litecoin, thanks to the app Coinbase. And yeah, no, it's definitely a fascinating industry, something to get into. And so I figured I might as well take a shot at it. Nice. So you got invested into Siacoin. I'm actually not sure with the name. I think some people have called it Siacoin. I think some people have called it Siacoin. I call it Siacoin. I don't think it matters. As long um, as it doesn't swing from <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> uh, Ethereum, Neo, Litecoin. Um, and you got those from reading my book, which is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I had to get that quick plug in. <laughs> um, but where, what exchange did you buy those on? Like, what was your route to buy that yeah, when you first heard about them? That's what's interesting about this cryptocurrency industry is it's definitely a little tricky and, and I mean, I guess it's somewhat complicated, but also you have to kind of, as long as you learn quickly and figure it out, you can figure it out. Um, so I, I bought my first cryptocurrency through Coinbase, this, the app that easily converts cash to cryptocurrency and even though they charge heavy fees for being able to withdraw everything and then when i got my neo shares and sia shares from kraken and I, so i did that through the kraken website and it's k-r-k-r-a-k-k-e-m and had to go through all their processing and regulations and rules and eventually figured out how to buy shares through there as well Nice. Was it a hassle for you to have to do that or were you able to figure it out after a while? Yeah, Coinbase was definitely a lot easier than Kraken because all you had to do is show your driver's license and link up your bank accounts. Or Kraken, you had to do like a three or four step authentic authentication process. I forget everything you had to do for that, but it was definitely a lot more complicated than Coinbase. But as long as you're patient enough and willing enough to get into it, most people are able to figure out how to buy currencies on Kraken as well. Right. And th that seems like the logical path for most people to take when they're trying to invest in this stuff. Um, and it's usually what I tell people anyways, because there aren't a lot of other options to turn your dollars into crypto. And then if usually it's Bitcoin and then send that to an exchange, you always got to go through Coinbase for the most part um, or use an ATM. Um, and then you have to send it to an exchange. And then from the exchange, you can buy practically anything you want. And then from the exchange, you got to send it to a wallet or back to Coinbase or whatever you end up buying. Coinbase has definitely made it a lot easier, though, because they've added a bunch of stuff. They've added Ripple. They've added Ethereum Classic. They've added Zcash. Um, they've added Stellar. Um, they haven't added Neo yet. They haven't added Cardano yet. But they've definitely started adding a bunch of stuff to make it easier for people, which is nice to see because even for someone like me that does it all the time, I hate sending my money from Coinbase to Kraken and Kraken to Binance and then Binance to Bittrex and Bittrex to a private wallet. And then when I want to sell it, I got to do the whole thing over again. It's just, it's very inconvenient. Um, and even for the ordinary person, I feel like they kind of have the same issue so do you think that there's, I know the market's really early for this stuff, but has it sufficiently helped educate you? Or do you think there's a lack of education around how to invest in it and the easiest way to invest in it? Well, the whole education thing, we, we, we live in a time of, I guess, not as much attention given to certain 
subjects or topics. Like whenever we read the news, we assume that what we're hearing and listening is the best summary of the best content. However, you know, when I look at a, a news article or news story, I don't research, you know, who posted it, why they post it, what parts they're leaving out, what parts they're not leaving out. And so with the education of cryptocurrency, I'm sure it's, a, of course, a very large or deep rabbit hole to dive into. And I guess I do my best to trust people like you and other crypto influencers who do know what they're talking about and trust their words rather than having to spend time researching it all myself. And so that's kind of my strategy of going about it is just trusting crypto influencers and hoping that they're doing all the research and studying and for me. That's generally what we try to do. And But a lot of information is very scattered <laughs> um, across the internet. And it's hard to be a quote unquote crypto expert when there's no certification that you can actually get anything put out by the government or by any um, educational institutions that say you are a expert in crypto. Um, so for the most part, you got to go by everyone's experience and um, their reputation in the field. But for someone like you and people that are like you, what would be, what is something that could help it improve or what would make it easier for someone like you to stay on top of what's going on in crypto? Would it be like a curation of like news? Would it be easier way to invest in crypto or what would make it like easier? Would make it more simple? Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of the, the skim before by any chance? The skim? Yeah. S-K-I-M-M. Um, I, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. What is it? Yeah, so they're actually a very highly rated, very awesome, effective news source where they basically send you the summary of all the most important news of the day. And so rather than watching hours and reading pages of news and commentary and all the things that go on in the world, they basically just send you a one-page summary of everything that's happening and making it as concise and easy to read as possible. And I definitely loved reading that each day, just having everything be out there in once one page of knowing all the summaries of everything. And then also I follow Snapchat's Now This News Network, where basically they send you a two-minute video that shows all these 10 to 15-second clips of all these other stories happening around the world. So if there's like a Now This News format or the Skim format where everything was just summarized and concise for you, ready to go for you to read and look over and understand most things. And then of course there's links to other topics you want to dive deeper into. I think that would be totally awesome if there was a market for that, where the people are doing that for the cryptocurrency world, where they just give you a one page summary of everything that's happening, give you links if you want to dive deeper into research or just do a two minute summary video of everything that's going on. Yeah, that's actually super cool. I, I think I've seen a couple sites that do a pretty good job at curating um, content around the FinTech industry in general. Um, but nothing that like gets like all the best articles and like really sums it down or um, simplifies it for people to make it readable. Um, does the skim have that service for for blockchain for crypto or or not? Are you not sure? I don't. I doubt it. I don't think so. Yeah, but I'm saying if they did, that'd be epic and awesome. That would. I'll have to look into that for sure. Um, when you were at U of O. I know like way back in the day when you were younger and everything, you were a young man, um, not this old guy that you are today with a beard and everything. <laughs> um, when you're way back in the day, when you were at U of O, did anyone really talk about 
Bitcoin or blockchain or anything like that on campus? Well, if you were in the right spaces, then yeah, if you're in the right spaces, then I'm sure people would definitely mention it. Um, but for the most part, I wouldn't say it was too common. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, when I was in college, I think that yeah, about two or three years ago, that's when Bitcoin was at like twenty grand per per coin, right? Yeah, Bitcoin hit twenty grand at the end of twenty seventeen. Um, Bitcoin also had a huge run up to like twelve hundred dollars or something in two thousand thirteen which was my first year in college. So it was probably um, your sophomore year, I'm, I'm assuming, correct? So you graduated in yes. 16? Okay. Yes, I graduated 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess better way to ask is, have you heard anything about crypto or blockchain when you were on campus back then? Or do you remember hearing anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I it did come up from time to time, but um, and I think, yeah, so if it hit 20 grand in 2017, in 2017, then I think it was about 12 to 15 grand in 2016. And yeah, I'd say it come up from time to time, but I guess it wasn't as brought up or as popular as it should have been. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you don't have, you didn't have anyone running up saying, Hey, you want to get into this Bitcoin thing? Or did you see this Bitcoin thing that went to like $1,200 or you didn't have anyone kind of running around? crazy like that. I know I did at my college. I had a bunch of people doing that. It was kind of funny. And I didn't even know what Bitcoin was really? back then. Um, everyone was like, hey, hey, this digital currency thing is like $1,200 now. Like, is this going to pop soon? Like, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what's going on with it. and But it eventually gained some traction, but it it never really caught fire on college campuses or anything like that because they didn't really promote it. There's no classes. There's no education around blockchain on college campuses. And I just did a podcast with um, a friend of mine who just graduated uh, recently from Pitzer. And he he's heard it a few times, but even now there really isn't a whole lot of education or um, anyone talking about it on campus. And college is definitely one of those places where you need education like that and you need to give people um, opportunity to think about stuff like that as a potential career, especially when um, blockchain engineering jobs are the number one job in the United States, even ahead of TensorFlow, which is used for AI. And it's one of the highest paying jobs in the US right out of college under um, software development in that category. So you'd think that they would talk about it. Blockchain? Yeah, blockchain. Uh, blockchain developers and engineers. Anyone that has Yep. They're the top paying. They are the number one job in demand um, in the marketplace, according to LinkedIn, I believe. Um, I I know that's accurate. I'm just trying to remember if it was CNBC or LinkedIn. I think it's LinkedIn um, that was reporting on that, Um, which which is even ahead of TensorFlow, which is for like AI and stuff. So there's a lot of demand and most of it's because you got all these coders, um, that are coming out of college that don't have a skill set for blockchain and they're not teaching blockchain in college. So um, there's a massive amount of demand and not enough uh, people to take on the jobs, but they're paying really, really well, like six figures, like to start out of college, but they don't teach anything. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. No, fun, funny how that works is that, 
Well, I think that's what, that's what people are angry about education system in general is that everyone knows the education system is behind. We just we've come to a time where we don't need the industrial revolution skill sets anymore. People are paying for creativity and and inventions and and creating systems and opportunities where um, good hard labor and hard work where just it's pure brawn is all put by robots. So the humans still have the advantage in creativity, and we need to keep utilizing that and creating more of that. Have you heard of the like micro degrees or nano degrees? Are you familiar with those? No, what's that? Like the ones you can take like online on like Coursera and stuff like that. You've probably seen some ads on TV for them um, or oh, yeah. online. Yeah, we can take like an online class and learn a skill and then you get a certificate for it and then you can take that to your employer and your employer can give you a raise or hire you uh, now that you have that skill. Have you seen that stuff? Um, yes, I have, but I haven't gotten the chance to, um, taking any courses on it yet, but it does seem like an awesome, cool concept. It's really interesting because you can take like full fledged courses at like a huge fraction of the real price to take it like at a college, like really, really cheap, like under a hundred bucks. Um, mm -hmm. and you can have like a professor or someone that's certified in that field teach you. Uh, the skill that you're trying to learn, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it makes me wonder if some of these educational institutions, these colleges are going to eventually in the future go bankrupt because of the whole student debt bubble. And if people and employers are going to push for all these skill-based jobs where you just get like a nano degree in like a certain skill and then you can get your job, um, especially like with trade skills and coding um, just seems very efficient and people would save a lot more money. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting to, to think about every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, another big thing about college though, is that while the education is great, you know, what wish more people would utilize is the importance of a networking while you're there and the access to resources and being in that environment and that setting where you just have the, the world is your oyster essentially where it's a little more difficult to stay focused, stay on track, stay motivated if you can just take it at home and, and have a bucket of popcorn and sip on some wine while you're taking your course. Usually you're not in that as motivated setting. Um, but if you can get the focus, can get the determination to actually apply what you've learned from these online courses, I can definitely see how it can be just as effective and being able to help get people to where they want to go and as far as what they want to learn. There's a lot of ways to network outside of college. I mean, just... If you want the same experience, just go to like summer camp or something. Everyone can still go to spring <laughs> yeah. break and do all these things and party and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the college, the idea of college that we have today is very inflated and I don't think it's going to last much longer. I think they've gotten a little too political. I think that they've really racked up debt for a lot of students um, and a host of other reasons. I just don't think that they're going to... Uh, fare very well in the future, especially when they're charging outrageous amounts for tuition and most of the students are never going to be able to pay back their debt or if they do, it's going to take them a very long time. And they're getting humanities degrees and art degrees and things that they can't really easily apply in the workplace. Um, and the colleges are encouraging that too. So I don't know. I, th I think it's, I think it's an issue, but we'll see. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a huge issue. Yeah, no, obviously there's a, there's a lot of cons to, to college as well. That's why you got to know what you're doing, knowing 
why you're getting into it in the first place. Yeah, if you if you go to college, think going to college is good enough, then you're already screwing yourself over. Um, whereas if you spend time applying to scholarships, getting financial aid, getting sponsorships, um, networking to get an internship or job opportunities as quickly as possible, talking to professors, talking to counselors, just like really living it up, then yeah, you, you, it's it'll be very difficult for you out of college. Um, but uh, yeah, it is definitely unfortunate that yeah, college is the most expensive that's ever been in the history of the world, and the fact that it's actually, and the fact that inflation hasn't caught up with um, minimum wage or with jobs or um, rents, and so yeah, you know, our our parents were lucky to be alive at a time where you know they could work them their asses off and save up and pay off their college debts. Where literally we're in a time where we can't necessarily do that even if we're a hard worker and working two jobs just like the way that how little we get paid for how much college costs it's just it's unreasonable the difference that is nowadays compared to yeah the earlier in american history um and so yeah a lot of pros and cons i just definitely say it's all about doing your research and knowing what you want to get out of it and, and how to make sure you take advantage of good opportunities that come with it otherwise yeah don't go to college just to go to college and hope everything will fall in your lap afterwards. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Right. And there, there are a lot of really um, wealthy, famous guys, um, very popular guys like Elon Musk, for example, or Jeff Bezos that have publicly said that they'd rather have a student that hasn't gone to college and that just has certain skills and, is, and that works really hard because it's just, it doesn't make sense anymore. Just the whole model seems broken. It, it's like the whole opportunity has kind of just shifted um, for people. I mean, like you said, when our parents were younger, it was a completely different situation, completely different economy, completely different country. Um, and nowadays in our situation, I, I think it's something that will probably end up getting rethought and probably rekindled. But in terms of shifting opportunities, um, I've spent a lot of time dabbling in VR as of lately and for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is the platform that it gives you to, to reach people. And I noticed that there are a lot of people that will go into VR to reach more people for um, events and to speak. I was wondering if that's something that you've tried yet. Have you tried going into VR or have you um, borrowed anyone's headset or jumped in and done any, done that experience yet? No, I don't, even, I don't even know. Well, I've, I've experienced VR a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely really cool. Like I, uh, one guy, he showed me how to do VR where I could go on a spaceship uh, above Earth. And another VR experience was like doing like a, a, a flight above Paris over the, um, what, what are the mountains over there? Is that the, is that the Alps? But yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see how, how I could go about doing virtual reality and applying public speaking to it or, and just, oh, I, and another interesting quote I heard is that, yeah, basically uh, Nintendo 64, you know, remember playing that mm -hmm. in the 90s and having a bunch of fun with that. Um, basically, VR right now is where is what Nintendo 64 was in the 90s. You know, like, you know how you have PlayStation now where it's literally like the characters are so real and realistic versus like the graphic uh, pixelated items. Yeah, basically, VR, VR is just starting in its technology um, acceleration and getting to where people it'll blow people's mind and where it's going to go pretty soon. Right. And the future seems to be moving digital very, very quickly, especially over the last decade. Um, and ever since Facebook started pushing VR, it, I feel like a lot of people have started 
considering going digital and doing things in a virtual environment um, as something that's more practical. Um, and you see how Amazon, for example, was able to start delivering packages within a couple hours, or in some cases within an hour, how they've talked about using drones for delivery, and then the whole internet of things um, is starting to really kick off, and your homes are becoming smart homes, um, and everything's getting super, super efficient. To me, I see that VR is going to help make things much more efficient, and a lot of ways change economics and how people um, do business, how people take care of their errands, how people utilize their time. Um, if, if you could run your errands in five minutes at home in VR versus spend an hour and a half running around doing it, you, you save an hour and 25 minutes, which you could use for a number of other things. I mean, if you talk about efficiency, mm -hmm. VR definitely has um, a spot in the economy other than just for playing video games, which is a completely different market and is a big one and is a growing market. Um, but besides video games, I, I really see the economy in general, economics shifting into VR as well. And when I've been in VR, I'm not usually playing video games or watching videos, but they have social communities where you can interact with people and um, play games like Cards Against Humanity and play basketball, um, which I'm very bad at in VR. But you can do it. Um, you can go to to events where people are speaking on all kinds of different things. I've gone to blockchain events. Um, I've, I've gone to virtual reality church just for the fun of it. <laughs> um, they, they have just about everything. Um, and it's really cool. And for someone that is a little bit more techie and it's a little bit more of a millennial, it's easy to jump into. And I, I noticed how easy it was to set up events and schedule stuff. And I even threw an event just for the hell of it to see who would show up. And it was really easy to do. And I think from a public speaking standpoint, there's a lot of opportunity for someone like you who's trying to um, become a public speaker, a motivational speaker, or someone that can speak on a certain topic to help people. Um, I don't know what specific genre of speaking you want to do, but I know you like helping people and I know that you're very passionate about speaking. But there definitely seems to be an opportunity to jump into VR and to create a platform around public speaking. I think it's something that you should definitely check out and might add another dynamic to everything you're doing. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like a great idea. I'll definitely yeah, do more research into that because, yeah, you got to be able to adapt to technology. So why wouldn't I? Yeah, I definitely need to look into that more, but much better. Right. And it's usually the first movers on early platforms that come out that see the most success. So I'm always looking for new ways to make these platforms uh, help me become successful. But I wanted to share that little tidbit with you because I think that definitely there's a lot you can do with public speaking in VR and um, it might be a very beneficial platform. So yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. Well, yeah. And for all the listeners out there too, it sounds like it'd be a great opportunity for whatever they're passionate about, whatever their interests are as well. And yeah, it just makes sense for everyone. Yeah. Everyone should definitely jump in and try it at least once. Like I was very skeptical the first time I did it. I thought I was just a phone in front of your face and it was really cheesy and I didn't think it really worked. But when I put it on, I felt completely immersed um, and I felt like I was just somewhere else. It, it was it's really an incredible experience when you try it the first few times and then you get used to it and then 
it feels really normal. It's almost like carrying around your phone. It's mm-hmm. that easy, um, which is kind of scary. At the same time, it's kind of cool, but everyone will have their own opinions on it. Other than that, um, I think I covered everything that I kind of wanted to talk about. We definitely talked about Weiss Wisdom and some detail and everything you're doing there. Got to ask some crypto questions um, and get your perspective on, which I really wanted. And then kind of finished talking about VR and how that can play into speaking and some cool tech and stuff. I wanted to open it up at the end. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about in terms of crypto or in terms of public speaking? Or is there anything you're doing that you want to talk about? Go. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, with crypto, I just encourage all listeners to really go buy Brandon's book, The Satoshi Sequence. I heard you got it on the Barnes & Noble online store recently, right? Yes, you can buy it on Amazon as a digital copy and a physical copy. And you can also buy a physical copy on Barnes & Noble's website. And hopefully it will be in the store soon. I will keep you all updated on that. Back to yeah. Andrew. Go. Yeah, that would be a top seller. Um, and then, uh, yeah, as far as public speaking advice, um, the top tip I like to tell people is that whenever you get the chance, make sure that you're conversational with your presentations. Just pretend like you're having a one-on-one conversation and making sure that you're offering the audience value. And and also just kind of going back to my system I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, you know, another top piece of advice I've been looking to implement constantly is that we are all the average of the five people who we spend the most time with. And so make sure that whoever the kind of person is that you want to be, seek out those people, look for those people, spend time with them, give value to them, be around them. And eventually their traits, their qualities, their characteristics will all rub off on you. And just something to be mindful of that us, us humans were always the subject of our environment. And yeah, that, and I'm also taking on new public speaking clients as well. So whether you want to give a presentation to an investor, to an audience, to students, to um, your best friend's wedding party. Um, yeah, I'm constantly taking on new clients at the moment. Just give me an email, weisswisdom at gmail.com or check out my website, weisswisdom.com, uh, W-E-I-S-S-W-I-S-D-O-M. And would love to hear from you. Also, you can follow me on social media, Andrew J. Weiss on Instagram. You can follow me on the Andrew J. Weiss on Twitter. And then, of course, feel free to add me as a friend on Facebook at Andrew Weiss. And would love to hear from you. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you for taking the time to come on and share your thoughts and your knowledge. I know there's a lot of people that will definitely appreciate that and that will find it helpful, whether they're in crypto or into public speaking or just want the general knowledge. I'm sure that there's something they'll be able to take away from this that'll definitely help them. Um, And thank you for taking the time out of your day to do it. I know you're a busy guy as much as I'm a busy guy. So I'm glad we were able to do this and kind of fix the podcast that didn't work the first time and get this one working. (laughs) Um, So hopefully everything goes well. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, this has been fun, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, make sure to follow Brandon on social media as well at Zent Brand and sure he'll tell you all those. And yeah, looking forward to hearing the episode. Yeah, and I will, yeah, I'll see you probably in a couple weeks, right? Exactly. I'll, I'll be in Central Oregon. Don't you worry. I'll be there on April Fool's. Week. Perfect. We'll, we'll see if you actually show up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Sure I'll enough. see you later. <laughs>